the weekly podcast from the First Church of Christ in East Palestine, Ohio. We're glad you've decided to join us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Glad to see everybody here remember to turn their clocks forward. So let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this and other Lord's Day to come and worship and offer praises to you. We ask you to continue to bless East Palestine as they continue to clean from the uh, derailment and also be with us as we worship you. Thank you for our time here and please be with those that are unable to make it and we just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 26, 20 tells us, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. What a startling statement that must have been. Do you think that maybe just for a second, these words caused doubt in the hearts of each of his disciples? This must have been a moment of tense silence among them. Each must have been saying, surely not I, Lord. Most times we are very quick to find sin in others, but sometimes a single sentence can reveal to us the evil within our own hearts. So it was at the Last Supper that had caught just a glimpse of their own wicked heart and said, surely not I, Lord. Each disciple saw himself a potential betrayer of their Lord. They dreaded sin in in themselves and they asked, am I not the culprit? If only we could catch their spirit of examination. For many of us, sin is a thrill to be sought after, not an enemy to be hated and destroyed. At the Lord's Supper, we are reminded how wicked our hearts can really be. Here at the table of the Lord, we should ask the very same question. Surely not I, Lord. Our sins truly betrayed him. For those sins, he died. Here at the table of the Lord, we should ask that very same question. Surely not I, Lord. Our sins truly betrayed him. For those sins, he died. We can see the disciples searching their own hearts. We should learn that sin is at home everywhere. No place is so sacred that sin will not dare enter. It lurked in the holy precincts of the upper room where our Lord instituted his feast. It has seeped into the hearts of his devoted disciples, even causing one of them to betray him. Sin can enter our own hearts even now as we prepare to participate in our master's sacred memorial. Well, the table of the Lord is ready. We can all come in and take a seat, and we should crave the peace of a pure heart, a conscience free from sin's guilt, and staying. The Lord's Supper speaks its own healing words. As we eat, we are reminded that the blood of God's own Son cleanses us from all sin. Let us pray. Dear God, our Father in heaven, we come as guests around your table on this Lord's Day morning to remember Jesus Christ and the pain and suffering he endured for us on that cross to free us from sin. Heavenly Father, we come to you asking for forgiveness, love, and your amazing grace through accepting your Son as our personal Savior. 
We ask your blessing on this bread and the fruit of the vine as we take it in a manner pleasing to you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Something looks different in here. I like it. I like it. Hey, in the bulletins this morning, just a couple of things that you want to check out and look at. Nikki Ostick starting a new uh, Sunday school class April 2nd. So if you're looking forward to uh, starting a new Bible study together as uh, the ladies, go for it. Be with Nikki Sunday morning, April 2nd. We're doing a volunteers meeting for VBS after second service on March 26th in a couple weeks. So if you're uh, interested in knowing about VBS this year and uh, all the fun stuff associated with that and you're looking for an opportunity to get plugged in, see me there after second service. If you would, keep the Allison family in your prayers as well. Um, I think it's in there. I didn't look sharp enough to see it, but... Uh, Misty Allison's mom just passed away unexpectedly uh, a couple days ago. So be in prayer for her and the family, if you would, uh, over the next week as they um, process that and, and deal with that. So I'd much appreciate your prayers. Let's go ahead and go to God in silent prayer together this morning. Amen. This morning we're going to talk about some core values, but before I start talking about core values, I have to give you some useful information for the week so you can talk to your neighbors and friends. And this useful information, I love it. I just love sharing it with you guys. You guys are all familiar with the uh, Where's Waldo books, right? You'd have to open up that book, look at that landscape, and try to find him hiding in there amongst, I don't know, a thousand other people. Did you know the reason why he's hiding is because he was hiding from Chuck Norris? <laughs> Share that with your friends. They need to know that. So, on the same topic, Chuck Norris climbed Mount Everest in a world, world record time of 15 minutes. Only because he spent the first 14 minutes at the base looking up at the splendor. Amazing, amazing. Chuck Norris himself does not use hand sanitizer. He just balls up his fists and the germs fly off. Isn't that cool? Those are the facts you need to know this week as you uh, talk to your friends and relatives and neighbors and coworkers. Share those with them, would you please? Before we get into core values, I'll go ahead and open up with a word of prayer for us. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word this morning with your church for being uh, plugged in here, and uh, what a wonderful experience it's been. Thank you for watching over the town, for watching over the workers in the town as we are still cleaning up from the derailment. I pray and ask that you would give us positive answers, that we would uh, know the truth and what to do next. And uh, thank you for your care and protecting us all along the way. And for this time here this morning, to be gathered together to praise and worship you because you are awesome, true, faithful, and full of love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Colossians 1.18 will get us started off with our core values. I won't read it to you yet. I want to share the three values with you. Uh, Bridget, you can go to the next screen. I don't have my handy-dandy 
Yes, I do. I got it. So the three points I want to share with you this morning, I want to tell you them, I want to share them with you, and then I want to tell you what we talked about at the end. So our three points are Christ is the head of the body. Our second point is Jesus is the only way into that body, to be a part of that body. And our third core value is we follow him. So I want to hit all three of those points with you this morning and start with Colossians 1.18. I think it's working. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the, from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. That is what I want to share with us this morning. Our goal as the church is to have a focus, is to have a drive, and have a reason to explain to somebody on the street that doesn't know the first thing about us, hey, what do you guys believe in? You're like, I don't, I don't go to church. I don't read the Bible. What's so special about it? We can explain to them very quickly, we are part of the church as the body of Christ who is the head. So Christ is our number one authority on everything that we do in the church. He directs the body, which is the church, which is us. We're all individually members of the church. And I love this verse in Colossians 1.18 because it spells it out crystal clear. You can't misunderstand it. So I like... When we're talking about Christ as the head of the body, we look at our own lives and we see that the body doesn't tell the head what to do. The head tells the body what to do, right? We're all on the same page there. Well, we want to make our fingers do this. It's all coming from the brain, right? At the top of the head? Yeah. So it makes sense that being in the church, when we're listening to the directions of the head, who is Christ, he directs us. It's not the opposite. Oh, sorry. That is our first core value. It recognizes Christ as our Lord, as King, as Head. What he says goes. No one else has better qualifications than Jesus. I've been around the block a couple times. I've seen other ideals floated around by friends of mine, by coworkers. You've been around the block just as much as I have been, and we've heard these different things. And to this day... I've never heard a better explanation as for the reason why we're here than the Bible. Nothing has ever made more sense to me. And I think you're on the same page with me as, uh, as well. Because of that, my life makes the most sense with Christ in the throne, with Christ leading my life. And I think it's true for you guys too. Why do I put all this faith in Christ? Because of his resurrection and because of the testament of his resurrection. In Acts 2.32, the verse says, This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Peter is speaking to the multitudes in Jerusalem. It's during a feast time where there are tens of thousands of Hebrews there celebrating. And he's speaking as loud as he can speak to as many people that will hear him, letting them know Jesus is not dead. You heard about him. 
You heard that he died on the cross. You heard that he was buried. I'm here to tell you he rose again. It's really cool. Him and his 11 apostles with him all stood in open testimony that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe those guys. Their lives after that fact were lives that reflected that truth. They never backed off of that. They never renounced it. They always followed that till the, the last day they were alive here on earth. I can believe that. I can have faith in them that they're telling the truth. Also on top of that, we have a guy named Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 6, saying the same thing. He got a testimony, or he got a record put together as he was talking to Corinthians, and he Did I go too far? Hmm, I don't know. Okay, no, I didn't. Okay. This is what he says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, I make known to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, and which you also stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold firmly to the word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I handed down to you as a first importance... First importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. So Paul is writing this book after the fact, years removed from the, the original gospel accounts, and he's reiterating the truth. He's saying those 12 men saw and witnessed Jesus' resurrection, believed them. On top of that, there are over 500 people that all saw Jesus after he had come out of the tomb alive again. I have no problem believing that. And that's first importance. Paul is sharing that as first importance. So if we are asked to share our faith, what should probably be of first importance to us to share our faith? I would say it's right here, that Jesus resurrected. Moving on to our second core value, there's only one way into the church. So we have this body of Christ that answers to the head, how do you get into the body? Jesus made it perfectly clear in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Can't make it any more clear than that. And how do we do that? Galatians 3, 26 and 27 says, For you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Okay. So we need to be immersed, buried in that water, how did Noah remove himself from sin? He didn't do much, but God did, and God did it through water. He covered the whole entire world in water, and he washed away all the sin in the world and preserved Noah and his family because they were faithful to God. They followed God, and they believed God. Cool. How did Moses get all of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage, out of sin? That's what it represents. They were delivered by God 
through water, through the parting of the Red Sea. How did Jonah present the message to, where did he go, Nineveh? He went the opposite direction. He's like, no, God, I don't want to do that. How did Jonah get to Nineveh? Through water. He was swallowed by the fish, delivered three days and three nights out of the belly of the fish onto the shore and went in and preached the truth to Nineveh. He was delivered through water. Because he was in disobedience to God, God brought repentance and obedience through the water. Just food for thought. How we get into the church probably has something to do with water. We're all pretty clear on that. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so is Christ. For by one spirit you were all baptized into one body. For the body is not one member, but many. So where in the body do you fit in? We're all parts of it. Who are the abs? We're talking about core values today. Who are the abs in the body of Christ? Who are the hands? Who are the feet? In order for them feet to make footprints, feet prints, you pick, I'll let you pick, on the seashore, it's not just a foot. You don't see the person anymore. They're gone, but you can still see the tracks. Those feet prints didn't get there just by a foot by itself. There was a person attached to that foot. It takes calf muscles, it takes shins, it takes thighs, it takes glutes to put footprints on the sand shore or the seashore. Who are we? That's always an interesting thought. Like, am I an ear? Am I an eye? Am I a nose? Am I a chin? Do I have a chin like Chuck Norris? Am I an elbow? What am I in the body of God? I know I'm in the body. But you know that God's given us a thousand, ten thousand, a million different talents in the church, and we all have those individual talents plugged into the body that we can be proud of, that we can be thankful that God has given us those talents to be a part of his church. So just food for thought, you know, just when you're thinking about Jesus' feet and Jesus' hands, there's more to it than just that. You know, we have a lot of different members in the body, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I like to see people find their talents and get plugged in where they fit best. And I also like getting out of our comfort zones too. You know, I just talked about that. Expand those talents as you can, as God leads, and be, be a productive member in the body. So, 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5, coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's another cool illustration. We're being built up as members of the church as a spiritual house. And that building is still being built. Until the day that Jesus comes again, there are going to be new members added to this building that he is building. It's just, it's a fun thought to think of there. So, how do you get into it? How do you get into the body of Christ? Through him. Through the waters of immersion. Remove the sins. Receive the gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And you are a part of that church. So, that's one of our core values there. 
Our third core value is we follow Jesus. Walk in the good works that God has already prepared ahead of time for us. What in the world are you talking about, Ryan? Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Christ, being the head of his church, where is he directing his body? He's directing us to good works that God has prepared beforehand. Before we even got here 2,000 years later, he had prepared those good works for us. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Working on to our, our third core value, we follow him as he directs into good works. What do those good works look like? Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, until he comes back and gets us. Okay, that's cool. Teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. Teach? How do we teach until we learn? So part of following Jesus is learning what he had commanded his disciples in the first century. And what he commanded his disciples in the first century, thankfully, has been written down and preserved for us through the ages. So part of following Jesus is reading his word to us. That's how we're going to learn to follow him. Our homework for the week, should you choose to accept it, is going to be 2 Timothy chapter 3. I like the whole chapter. So if you get to read that this week, it'll show you part of what to do and what not to do as you follow Jesus. Matthew 22, 36 through 39, as God directs us to do good works through Jesus as our head. Somebody asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Because we want to do what's best. We're looking for how do we serve God best? How do we do this right? So these people had the same concern. They asked Jesus like, hey, we know out of the 300 and some commandments we've got, which is the best? Which is the greatest? I have those same questions all the time, and they had them too, and they asked those questions, and those questions were preserved for us in Matthew 22. And he said to everybody who was listening, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That makes a lot of sense to me. When we are motivated by love in following God and praying to him and reading his word, and we're motivated by loving our neighbor when we talk with them, when we help them, a lot of good comes from that. A lot of good happens. And that's what I praise God for. Because I don't particularly call myself very talented or, or important but I'm very happy to be an active member in the body 
and helping where I can help with those that I am able to help in whatever circle I find myself in. And I think that's a great priority in our lives, to be motivated by love instead of revenge, instead of hate, instead of obligation. Love. Training our minds to attack an attitude of love instead of allowing ourselves to fall into an old habit of selfishness. Love is the best. John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus also adds to that, he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. How many times do we see in the church that quality come to the surface? I'd say pretty often that love is a motivating factor and driving force between, and, and, yeah, between all of our, our interactions. It doesn't look very good when it's somebody holding a grudge. It doesn't look very good when it's gossip. It happens. But I would say, let's listen to Jesus' command. Let's, let's choose to put away the past hurts. Let's choose to put away the selfish stuff and make it a point to love one another. So if you have any of that in your life that's still holding on for whatever reason, maybe, maybe you want to take Jesus' uh, command seriously from Matthew 20 to, or, uh, John 13 and... and Give it another go. Give it another look and say, hey, can, I, can I forgive somebody that's hurt me in the past? Am I able to hold my tongue and not gossip about somebody? I think we are, and I think it's going to lead to good things. Um, if we're motivated by love, if we're, if we're actually listening to what Jesus is telling us to let love motivate us, that's, I think we're on to something good there. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. That sin that so easily entangles us. When you're having your conversations with your friends and your neighbors and your co-workers, when you get to an honest point in the conversation and you ask them, well, what do you think about yourself personally? How, how well do you think you're living life? When they're honest, they're going to tell you, nah, I slip up, I mess up, I'm not the best, I'm, I'm not, that, not that great. I'm better than Hitler, but I'm not much better than anybody else. Okay, good, all right, that's, that's a fair, good assessment. That's the point where you can tell them, I was in the same boat you were in. That I had sin that wasn't dealt with, that I had sin that was keeping me from a relationship with a loving father who wanted to have a relationship with me. That's your inroad right there. When you can get them to be honest and you can approach them in love and have a genuine conversation with them, you can hit that problem of sin that we have that so easily entangles us with our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, and our family, and we can cross that bridge and say, it is very easy to get through the problem of sin and get into Jesus's sin-forgiving blood, and have entrance into his church 
through the waters of immersion. I hope you guys have opportunities to share that conversation with those around you because it is a problem. We see a world that's fallen in sin and our friends, our neighbors, they see it too. They know there's a problem. We have the solution. Jesus has always been the solution. So when we get a chance to share that solution with them and we see them hurting and we know that we used to hurt like that too, this is a good opportunity for us to bridge that gap in love, in graciousness. I think it's, I think it's a really, uh, it's given me a lot of focus. Like, do you have to know all the answers to all the evolutionary arguments out there? Do you have to know... Uh, all the political philosophies that have been known to man, all the religions that have been known to man. No, you do not have to know all the answers to every other question in the world. If they ask you one of those deep questions, if they're serious about it, if they're serious, you can say, honestly, I don't know, but I will find out for you. And you can go back home and you can go to Bob or myself and anybody else that you think to be an authority in whatever subject they ask you and find out the information for them and bring it back to them if they're genuine, if they're honest. But the core, the core of what we believe at, as the church is that Jesus is the head. Jesus forgives sins. And Jesus gives us entrance into the church as saved, forgiven saints. And we have a goal and a purpose to follow him in this life. It's pretty easy. If they can buy into that, they can get all the peripheral answers on the side about Jewish history, about first century history, about all the churches in the church age. They can get all the information later. What's most important? Starting that relationship with Jesus, getting sin out of the way. That's what we get to focus on with our friends. So hopefully this clears the waters up for you so you don't, you don't feel overwhelmed when you're trying to talk to somebody and you're asking yourself, well, what am I going to say when they ask this? What am I going to say when they ask that? This boils it down to Jesus resurrected from the tomb. Jesus can forgive sins through immersion. You can gain access to the church through him. And our goal and our purpose today is to follow him as he set the perfect example for us to treat others with love and to love God first and foremost in our lives. So what are the three points we talked about today? Christ is the head. Jesus is the only way in. Our purpose is to follow him. And your homework this week, 2 Timothy chapter 3, which is really good. That's all I got. If you are not in a relationship with Jesus and I made it clear enough to you today that you want in, we've got a cold water baptistry back there, I think. Is it warm or cold? It's cold. So you can get into Jesus today and remember this the rest of your life. We'll baptize you and get you the forgiveness of sins that you need and get you started in the church. So let's uh, make that decision as Jim comes up and does our closing song. Come up and talk to me. Thanks for listening. If you would like to join us in person, we meet on Sundays at 8.45 and 11 a.m. and on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Have a great week.